What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. I'm so excited. So, look, I've been telling y'all I've been excited for a while. And I keep saying that. I know it's like, honestly, frankly, it's almost like a little catchphrase in my, at the top of all these shows. The reality is I've been excited for a long time because every week that I come here with y'all to share some conversation with y'all, I'm excited to be exercising my voice. I'm excited to be walking in my purpose. I'm excited to be moving closer and closer to my goal, which is to really be focused on living corporate full time, right? Where that's all I'm really prioritizing. And the day <laughs> I'm going to add grateful because today marks the day that I am focused on living corporate full time. That's right. That's right. Sound man. Put the applause in, put the cheers and the claps in. That's right. Put some air horns in there too. Let's like, let's go crazy. Let's do some other stuff. In, you know what I'm saying? It's a big day. I'm so excited and thankful and grateful. Um, you know, some context, right? Like living corporate came together back in 2018, really as, uh, an effort to talk about the real experiences of black and brown people. It was meant really to be a descent to the white centric, um, bull that a lot of organizations perpetrate. Uh, It was meant to be a descent to the the common corporatized diversity, equity, inclusion efforts that I was experiencing. It was meant to be a descent to ERG programs that were really meant to just kind of pacify non-white, non-male, non-Christian groups and not really meant to empower them. It started as that. And it started as me looking for a space to not only exercise my own voice, but invite others to speak candidly about the world of work for historically marginalized people in a way that would provide uplift, encouragement, affirmation, guidance, education for other people. And time went on and on and on. And I remember because I built Living Corporate and it was launched when I worked at PwC. And then I remember telling people about the idea. And I remember people that looked like me going, you think that's a really good idea? I mean, that seems kind of dangerous. You're going to do that and have a job. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I am. And I got a lot of crazy looks. And I remember I went from Capgemini to then I went to PwC, right? So I I launched it when I was at Capgemini. Um, If I said PwC, I'm sorry, I'm not bad, y'all. Um, I launched it when I was at Capgemini. Then I go to PwC. And PwC, I remember like every other month, like managers, direct other managers, directors, partners, they would ask me what I do or they would find my podcast somewhere. They find my content somewhere and they go, uh, have you cleared this with Tim Ryan or have you cleared this with ethics and compliance or have you cleared this with uh, assurance or whatever, whatever they be saying. Right. Um, and I would always say no. Or I'd say Tim Ryan knows about my podcast. I sent him an episode and he replied um, to which they always gave me these weird looks. But it was always interesting because I'd be on these projects at PwC and be doing great. And all of a sudden, 
when they hear my podcast, all of a sudden my performance ratings would go bad, but my performance didn't change. Uh, there was a lot of like people projecting on me at PWC and at Capgemini. Um, and frankly, throughout really this, this whole time, like, how is it possible that he could be building something like this? Because you go to the website, as y'all know, if you're a long time follower of Living Corporate and you're subscriber on the website, you know, like it's a fairly robust experience, right? You can create a profile. You can like select your interests. There's all kinds of things you can be doing. If you look at like the website and you look at the catalog, right? Because there's hundreds upon hundreds, like literally almost like 900 podcasts. They're all not me. But if I tell you that Living Corporate is my company and then you see all this content, you make you project, right? You start making assumptions. Anyway, people would look on there and say, oh man, you've interviewed all these brands or you've talked to all these leaders. Like, how are you able to do that? Um, how are you able to do that and still work here? And 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 how are you able to produce, like some, like what, what's going on? I can't figure you out because you're a star here at this nine to five job. But then you're, you're telling me that your real passion is this company that you built. And I remember people telling me that Living Corporate was a cute niche idea, but was never going to really amount to anything. I remember people telling me that um, it was dangerous for me to have authentic conversations about historically marginalized experience. I remember people threatening me um, to stop doing Living Corporate. I've had people tell me all sorts of things. Um, as as many encouraging emails as I get, I get some I get some rough exchanges too. And I stand here or sit here in front of y'all, this mic, <laughs> and I'm gonna tell y'all it feels so liberating to be in a position where living corporate can be the thing that we build and that we continue to develop. You know, a lot of you experience Living Corporate as a podcast. The reality is, is that Living Corporate is a lot of things. Um, It all serves one mission to connect black and brown talent to organizations that want to engage them. Right. So we do that through our media and marketing campaigns. So shout out to Pfizer. Right. They're an incredible partner. They've been a partner with us for years. Shout out to Fama. Shout out to Textio and shout out to AWS. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Live Rent back in the day. Cam, I see you, boy. Shout out to Black Men in Tech. Um, we have some incredible partners, um, active partners, clients we've had in the past, all still friends. Shout out to uh, Felix and Doximity. Because as much discouragement as I've received, as much like low key hating, to be honest with you and outright attempts at sabotage and even people hating on my pod and hating on living corporate as a brand. And I turn around and they like make a, they copy my brand. Like they, like my stuff is living corporate. I see somebody talking about corporate for the culture. I'm like, what? you was the one asking me to help build your pod. Now I see you copying my stuff, almost copying my branding. You know what I'm saying? It's very strange, very strange behavior. Uh, anyway, <laughs> as much of that was happening, We've also been affirmed in the people that have worked alongside us. And so, like I said, we do a lot of different things. So, of course, we have our media production, our branding and campaigns. We also have our consulting, our DEI consulting and our organizational assessment and data analytics, where we take your HR data, 
and we build visualizations and then give you strategic and tactical recommendations as to what to do with that data. We also have a learning platform. That's right, y'all. We have launched a learning platform. I know it's crazy, right? We've taken all the thought leadership um, that we've been building over the past going on five and a half years and we've modularized it all into a training experience, a virtual training experience. Um, if you're listening to this and you work at a company, uh, perhaps the company you work for will choose to partner with Living Corporate and you will have that experience. Um, it is not meant to be like a B2C thing. It's a B2B offering. So I'm not going to be selling access to you individual person. Like I don't, we don't, I just don't do that. I don't believe in selling B2C. Like I'm not hating on that model. It's just not for me. It feels gross to me. And so I'm excited about the various ways um, that, that we're, that we're doing this, right. That we are, uh, that we're pushing for workplace fairness and equity, that we're pushing for employee engagement and connection and providing opportunity um, for education for aspirational allies, as well as new careerists um, that we're pushing for insight delivery against folks, organizational data sets. Like these are things that I'm passionate about and living corporate was never going to just be a podcast, right? Like living corporate is a network. It's a media consultancy. We do all types of work and I'm thankful for the fact that we're now in a place where this podcast that you listen to every single week, will not only be a place where we continue to center and amplify historically marginalized voices, but where we're going to come to you and talk to you about the dope stuff that we're doing across the organization. We're going to come to you and talk to you about um, some of our case studies. We're going to bring on clients. We're going to have really fire conversations. We're going to um, challenge one another, right? Um, I'm just really appreciative of the fact that we're in this place today. And you're going to hear a lot more of me. I know. Like, if you hear me every week, like, I'm going to hear more of you. I'm telling you, you're going to hear more of me. Uh, we have new mailing lists, right? And so um, we have different methods and means and avenues of communication that we're rolling out. We have uh, the Living Corporate Collective. Yo, the Living Corporate Collective. So I don't know if y'all have heard of this organization. It's called uh, CEO Action. And CEO Action is really like shiny PR vaporware, right? They don't really do anything. They don't really do anything. Now, the people behind CEO actually will tell you that's not true, that they do quite a bit of things. <laughs> but I've talked to the people that actually lead CEO action and they've told me, hey, we don't really do anything and we shouldn't really be doing this at all. But it's phenomenal PR, right? I was always frustrated by CEO action because here you have this brand that has the ability to attract so many other brands and get them to do something. And all you did was get them to sign a pledge to commit to something with no vehicle for accountability and leverage that goodwill to sell them things. And that's what CEO Action is. The Living Corporate Collective 
is really meant to be an authentic response to that effort. Um, it's meant to be a space that shares resources that meets monthly to talk about critical issues that invites collaboration and strategic guidance on the most pressing matters of the day as it pertains to workplace equity, employee engagement, employee retention, leadership development, and employee wellness. So it is an invite-only space. You have to register. Um, you have to be invited and or if I give, you know, if I give you a link or if Shanisha White, Dr. Shanisha White, who is our head of corporate community, engages with you. Um, but it's a space. It's not a space you can just join is my point. Like you got to you have, you have to be invited in some way or engaged in some way to actually be a part. But the point is, is that every month we're going to come together and have like really critical conversations where we share insight and research and resources and invite dialogue amongst the collective and where we really nurture um, true community, intra-community, and where we nurture belonging for those leaders to mobilize and do something of impact. So right now, we're in a season, in a moment where DEI is a curse word. It's a bad term. The Living Corporate Collective means to be a space where we galvanize, organize, strategize, and execute for the sake of workplace fairness, right? So I'm excited about the Living Corporate Collective, a virtual community space for DEI, HR, and people leaders. I'm excited about the tangible things it's going to provide to the members of that collective. I'm excited about the actual thought leadership that's going to come out of that collective. And I'm excited about the first event we're going to have on August 15th. And so if you're interested in joining the Living Corporate Collective, if you're interested in learning more about the Living Corporate Collective, if you're interested in understanding what makes our space differentiated from all these other virtual spaces or what makes them very similar, right? Because all these spaces are not bad. Email me at Zach at living corporate.com. Again, that's Zach at living corporate.com. It's funny. I was sitting down with somebody yesterday and it's, it's curious, right? Like just how ironic um, this DEI space can be in that I was sitting down with somebody and like, I would think that they, they, pres- they would call themselves an ally or an ally champion or whatever, whatever the co-conspirator or whatever. And I was telling them about the living corporate collective. And I was like walking them through like all the things that we're doing. Right. And like, look, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm like the best communicator in the world. I'm pretty good at talking though. And I don't really come with half baked ideas. So I was talking about the fact that, Hey, look, the space is built. We have, we have staff focused on this. We're doing this. We're doing that. We have this community. They, people have already signed up. We have dozens of people that have already said, yes, they want to be a part of this. Um, I'd love your support. And the first thing they said was, do you know how hard this is? <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm looking at it like, ma'am, do you, <laughs> do you know what we've built already? Like, and I think it's challenging, right? Like in this season, in this moment, like people project their limitations of themselves on you, right? So they can't imagine 
that you've done something that could be special or different. They can't imagine that you've built something that could actually make a difference. And so what they do is they question if what you're doing is real or if what you're doing can make a change or if what you're doing can be of any type of significance at all. And it's important that you know in those moments what people do that to you, if you ever experience that. They're projecting themselves onto you. So they're not talking to you. They're talking to themselves, right? I know that corporate America has a tendency to micro-invalidate you along your journey so that you can remain dependent and insecure. And I want you to know that there's nothing wrong with keeping a 9-to-5 job at all. I hope that you never keep a job out of fear or feel like you have to stay at a place out of fear or insecurity. I hope that you reject any language that would insinuate you are not good enough, that you are not adequate or frankly capable beyond measure. I hope that you would find freedom in the reality that you are enough. And I hope that you would find peace in the power that is your voice. That's the journey I'm on selfishly right now at Living Corporate. That's the journey this team is on at Living Corporate. Dr. White, Mike Schmidt, Aaron DiCaprio, Justin Blyden, so many more people. Amy C. Wanninger, Lonnie, Wendy, right? Nubiana. We have a lot of people over here. We're all building as we all find our individual voices, our collective voice, and as we also journey to help you find yours. So that you can be if not wholly free, at least a little bit more free than when you started messing with us. You know what I'm saying? That's my goal. That's my dream. And I'm thankful to be living it right now with y'all. So, look, all this to say, what's the headline? What 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 are the what are the bullet points? <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm doing Living Corporate full time. Living Corporate offers DEI consulting and organizational analytics, training and development. We have a um, an executive community uh, called the Living Corporate Collective that launches on the 15th of August. That's where our first event's going to be. If you want to learn more, email me, Zach at living-corporate.com. Um, we do um, all sorts of branding campaigns and communication campaigns for huge, huge, huge multinational brands. Shout out to Pfizer. And um, we're not going nowhere. Okay. We're not going nowhere. I love y'all. We're going to get to this conversation with Shanisha. We'll talk to you later. Peace.
What's up, y'all? It's Shanisha for another Real Talk Tuesday, and I am excited because today we'll be discussing a shared vision, and we have someone who can definitely help fill us in on what is a shared a shared vision, and also just really dive into more of the ins and outs, right? So let me tell you about our guest today. Our guest is A C E. Oh, I should say B, the CEO <laughs> and president at Melinta Therapeutics. She took over as CEO and sought to rebuild the culture by implementing a people first leadership approach. This turned Melinta around during a financial turbulent time in less than three years, resulting in an increase in product revenue from 58 million, let me repeat that, from 58 million in 2020 to nearly a hundred million in the past year. She believes a company can only be be successful when you have dedicated, have a dedicated, happy, and high-performing team aligned on a shared vision. Because a business plan, no matter how good, cannot be executed with excellence without a high-performing team to support it. Let's welcome our guest, Christine Miller. Christine, welcome to Living Corporate. How are you? I'm good. Even better now that I'm here, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Absolutely. So I'm super excited to dive into this conversation, but I know this bio is not all inclusive of who is Christine Miller. So if you could just share with us, like, who is Christine? What makes up Christine? Like, what makes Christine happy? Who is she? What is her passion? Like, who is Christine? Well, I have to say, you know, when people, you know, ask me that question, they usually want to know the things that I do. Um, but I actually tried to stay really grounded in my God-given purpose, which is to help people live better lives through problem solving. And uh, that purpose takes on a lot of different forms. So I'm a wife, I'm a mother of a 12-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old son. Um, I'm also a daughter of two great parents um, and an older sister to a sister and a brother. Um, and, uh, I love to play tennis. That's my new thing. I'm going to tennis lately. I'm really trying to kill it on the courts. And, uh, and I like to work out and, and stay fit and healthy. And, um, you know, I'm also a leader, but I'm a leader in different places and spaces. Wonderful, wonderful. And I, I love how you broke down of who you are and not, you know, what you do. And I think many times, like I said, when we ask that question, like, well, who are you? Do you want to know who I am or do you want to know what I do? And I think many times people answer with, what do I do? Right. <laughs> so, again, it's a pleasure to have you here with us. And thank you so much for sharing more of who you are. So let's dive a little bit about this leadership, right? You mentioned that you are a leader. And as I read earlier, you are the CEO and president at a thriving company, right? So how did you come into the role of president and CEO for Melinda? Like, how did this even come all about? Well, 
Um, I definitely believe my steps were ordered because it, it just, it happened in a, in quite, I feel like miraculous way where like everything, all the experiences in my life kind of led to that very moment. But one day, which seemed like it was out of the blue, I got a call from an executive recruiter because I actually was actively looking for my next leadership role. I wanted the opportunity to transform a company. And this executive recruiter calls me and starts asking me a bunch of questions. Um, like what's your experience with hospital and antibiotics and all this kind of stuff. And so I, um, you know, answered all her questions. And then she said, I have the perfect job for you. And I was like, wow, that's like, <laughs> okay. Well, you now have to tell me what it is. And she said, um, the CEO of Melinda Therapeutics. And my response was like, wow, because I knew Melinda. Um, in my previous role, we were very focused on expanding our portfolio, looking for assets. And I was very familiar with the portfolio that Melinda had acquired from the medicines company. And um, when I got the reach out from the recruiter, it's because um, the company had just gone through a financial restructuring um, and was acquired by Deerfield Management, which is an amazing private equity firm that's focused on healthcare. And they were looking for a leader that could transform the company. Um, and I pitched them my vision uh, for the company, which included diversifying the portfolio, um, but more importantly, really putting a focus on um, building a high performing team by putting people first. And they completely supported that strategic vision. And uh, I ended up joining the company in August of 2020. I think that's really amazing. And I honestly am not sure if many of our listeners and just people in general really understand the value in networking and engaging with recruiters and just really always staying ready so you never have to get ready. So I'm very sure like that conversation between you and her really showcase your value and were able to present yourself in a way because I mean come on for someone to come to you and say I have a job for you as a CEO like how often does that really happen and then how often does that really happen to women a black and brown women color? like that's amazing so shout out to you because I think that's really huge and just what you have done with transforming into, I mean, it speaks, numbers don't lie, right? Like it speaks for itself. So with that, what was your, your view or what is your view for diversity, equity, inclusion from the top? And what I mean by that is as you sit in your seat as the head of this amazing organization, what is your viewpoint, what is your view, your expansion perspective of diversity, equity, and inclusion? Well, you know, it's interesting because I'm glad you actually said the words out, diversity, equity, and inclusion, because a lot of people just refer to DE&I, and I think the acronym does not give the topic enough consideration. It doesn't give it the power that it really needs to have, especially when it comes to leading businesses. Um, I, at first, I think it's key to have diversity, right? To have diversity of race and gender and background and experiences. And you can't just have the diversity without having the equity, right? So really being thoughtful about how do you pay people, reward people, promote people, and creating an environment where 
you know, there is equity there. And equity doesn't mean equal, right? Um, and I think that's what people forget, <laughs> that equity is making sure that people have the access, the, the same level of access, depending on where they're coming from, um, and, and creating and, and making those bridges. Um, and then the last piece that is absolutely important is, is being inclusive and making sure that everyone has a seat around the table, has a voice. Um, and can be and is considered um, the voices are heard that you hear from everyone. And what I know, um, especially being a leader, is that if you're not intentional about creating an environment where diversity, equity, and inclusion are not just considered, but is practiced and is done in an intentional way, it doesn't happen. And you know, you see so many, um, you know people getting left behind in the standard processes of companies, especially um, women of color and black women in particular, you see um, that black women are disproportionately impacted by what they call the broken rung, where you see that as people are going up the ladder, um, uh, women, of people of color, but specifically African-American women, um, end up leaving corporate America because they don't have all the supports they need in an equitable way to advance their career. And so unless it's intentional and it's less is driven um, by a tone at the top and it's measured, it doesn't happen. Not consistently. Yes. And I think um, you touched on something really big there, like the tone from the top, right? So you being a woman of color, a black woman, like being in a position to make sure that when we think about diversity, equity, inclusion, like there's really a focus there and it's really being done. I think many of the organizations, they may have it as a pillar or, you know, sometimes it's a mention as things were trending back around the time we think about George Floyd. So now being in these spaces, there are many organizations where you hear less and less about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And if it's not being driven from the top down, then how are we really implementing these things? And you being a people leader and you know, having a team that's dedicated, happy, and high performing, high performing, you're able to create that balance, would you say, with all three, right? Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah, you know, so it really comes down to who do you have at the table, right? Who, do you have a diverse group around the table who are going to ask the questions? Um, we have a management team, um, that is driving, you know, the the day to day operations of our business and the considerations around hiring, etc. And our team is diverse. We are gender diverse and we're ethnically diverse. And so, what I find about diverse teams is that there's less apprehension to have the tough conversations around these topics. Would you say that was intentional in your to have a diverse team? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the intention was to have a diverse team. Um, and we try to be very thoughtful about that. Um, we have a fair amount of women in leadership positions um, in the company. Um, and, you know, 
it really has to be an intentional thing um, when it comes to recruiting, um, making sure you have a diverse slate of candidates um, for consideration. It's really key that this happens. If, if you don't, if you're not intentional about it, um, if it's just box checking, um, you really find that it doesn't consistently happen. And that's, I think this is really the opportunity in corporate America is to not just focus on checking boxes, but to focus on doing the right thing. And our company should look more like the societies that we live in. Oh, that's really powerful. That's really, really powerful. America is a diverse nation. Right. The problem is, is that people tend to go to the pot of their specific community as opposed to looking at the broader America and say, like, do we have workforces that are more reflective of, of, of America? And it's not, it's, I'm not saying it's not, it's easy to do this, right? It creates a lot, there's a lot of intentionality that's needed to do a lot of networking that you need to do. Um, and I think especially um, for people of color, as we help to mentor and create awareness and there's great organizations that help do this, it makes it more feasible, more possible. And there has been progress made, not as much progress as I would like to think. <laughs> I mean, when I started in the industry, um, I would say there was like one or two other people that looked like me. I was in a big format and it was like one or two people that looked like me, like as peers. And I, you know, at, at the senior management level, we happened to have one person that was, that looked like, like, looked like me. Um, and he's a remarkable person. It was Ken Frazier. I started at Merck. Um, he was a general counsel um, when I was there in the late nineties, early um, 2000s. Um, and it was really fortunate that he became the CEO of Merck. And what's outstanding is that not only is he a great leader, but he's a great leader that's recognized across, you know, industries. Um, and look at what he's been able to bring to society and to, to bring to the industry. I mean, there's, there's so much power in the fact that he has that diverse background. Yes, I think that's super key um, to make sure that we're being all inclusive and not just of our specific community. And with you doing that, right, like having this diverse group, you coming in being super intentional and putting people first, right? So what are the benefits, well, if you can do a two-part breakdown, right, what are the benefits of people first leadership approach? And then if we can circle back to what is people first leadership? Well, I, I would actually very simply putting people first is all about creating a positive and productive work environment that everybody is able to reach their full potential and contribute to the success of the organization. That's really in essence of what putting people first is. Um, and how you go about doing that is really um, providing the people in your organization with a voice. That's really important. Um, and that's what I, that's the approach that I took when I joined Momentum. You know, in my first 90 days, um, it was all about trying to hear all of the voices in the company. I was really fortunate um, that I started in COVID. 
I started, I turned all the lights in the office myself because there was no one in the office. <laughs> but the benefit of that was I wasn't traveling anywhere. So, and we had Zoom and, you know, teams, and I was able to meet with everyone in the organization, either through one-on-ones or small group sessions. And I asked them three questions. You know, actually, I did a lot of it sitting here in this chair. Um, One, you know, what's the culture of Melinta? The next question was, what do you want the culture of Melinta to be? And the third is, if you were sitting in my chair as CEO, if you were the CEO of Melinta, what would you do? And those three questions really help to guide me in, you know, where I focus with the organization, what we tackled first. And one of the first things that we tackled was co-creating a vision and mission for the company. Where were we headed? How were we, you know, how we were going to get there? Really being clear on um, strategic priorities, both from a business perspective, so what were the strategic business pillars, but then also what were the cultural priorities that we wanted to have as a uh, as a company and you know it was really key to get all those voices and those inputs um, because people really want to have an opportunity to be heard and to contribute you know i think many times for many organizations like we have the self-assessments right of you know our own performance and then we have those assessments for the organization as a whole And many times, you know, the people of the organization may not feel as though they can really voice like their real concerns or things that they would like to see changed or things they would like to see implemented into the organization to make us better. So I think you asking those type of thought provoking questions, like you said, really helps guide you for where a change needs to be made, guide you for where things can be improved and be made better. So I I really enjoy that and and bringing them in on the vision, right? So it's not just, hey, Christine Miller here is showing up and I have this vision for the organization. You guys take hold of it and do exactly what this, this vision encompasses, right? So like you're sharing this vision with them and allowing them to have a voice in this. Like, Outside of you asking those three thought-provoking questions, how else did you encourage the people of Melinta to share the vision with you? Yeah. So um, as we were, um, you know, putting together and creating our mission and vision, we actually had a lot of workshops where we invited people from different parts of the organization to participate um, in the actual development um, of 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 that um you know the i would say the um, executive committee took a of course had to take a lot of ownership and creating a vision and and mission but how we were going to get there particularly our essential behaviors um was really key so that's where we had you know this cross-functional team really lean in and say um not just the work that we were going to do, but how we were going to do it together. And we were really intentional about saying, we don't want to have just values. We want to be able to to say what 
behaviors we need to show up to have the culture um, that we all want to be a part of that we can thrive in. So one of my favorites is we, we've got your back um or let me walk in your shoes right so you hear the words like let me walk in your shoes you know that talks about empathy um and you know we have understand before being understood you know that's you know listening so we we're really intentional about that and um when people you know feel like they have a voice um then you know i think it really um leans in to to that we also did engagement surveys by the way, um, you know, to, to help to get another, um, you know, kind of metric, I guess, um, benchmarking for, for us, um, which was also helpful. So having these different forms of engagement and getting things like the metrics and having those Zoom calls and those kind of like, you know, workshops, you know, how else have you and your leadership, how have you guys worked to improve the company culture and employee engagement? Like, how does that, at the end of the day, impact the bottom line? Yeah. So, you know, it's an ongoing effort for us, right? Like, it's a, it's a ongoing, you know, ear to the ground, you know, um, continuing to, to, to um, ask questions and listen. Um, one of the things that I love doing is coffee with Christine. I do it every month oh, where, I, you know, we have about five. I think, five. That's, so cute. I think yeah. that's cute. I really like that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I mean, truth be told, inside school, I was like, I don't drink coffee, I drink tea, but that's okay. <laughs> it's okay, I definitely have my black tea in my teapot right now, waiting for me, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, we get five people, I usually have five people from different parts of the organization, we come together, we just had one on Friday, and there's no agenda other than building community and it's an open forum for anybody to ask any question or share anything that they want to share. And um, there's also ask the EC. Our EC is the executive committee. So usually um, it's two of our um, executive committee members meeting with, again, another small group of like, you know, five people, again, with the same purpose. Um, and this, you know, we just try to create as many forums as we um, possibly can. We have town halls as well. Um, and then we have a lot of things that we do in the office. And then also when we have, um, you know, company get together, like our national sales meeting, etc. And what we have seen is when we initially did our, our first um, employee engagement survey, um, as kind of like that base baseline, that benchmark, we had a score of like 69%. It, it was like, yeah, it was, it was kind of tough because, you know, there wasn't the strategic clarity there um, and people didn't know where we were going and what, what, why, we, you know, where we were headed. Um, and so when putting in place, you know, mission and vision and strategic priorities and what our long-term aspirations were, and by the way, we should, we like, we, we are always re reiterating all of these, you know, kind of foundational things. Every time I'm speaking to people, I'm like, okay, remember, this is what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how we're doing it. 
um, we were able to um, redo our engagement survey like a year and a half, two years later, and we got a, we, we ended up having um, a 88% uh, um, re response rate, which is pretty high in terms of engagement. But the actual um, score was, if you want to call it a score, was a 94%. So, you know, we were able to, um, you know, really um, make a change um, in terms of the way people were experiencing their time at the company, uh, just because we were able to listen to people, really understand what they needed, and then make steps to provide clarity and to provide, um, you know, change and make changes that people were really looking for in order to thrive in that environment. I think that is definitely top tier. You know, I think people underestimate open forums, right? Like in this space, no agenda, just me and you, my thoughts, <laughs> my experiences over the week, the quarter, the semester, I'm able to open up and share with you guys like what is really happening like at the ground level for you all to be able to really, like take that you know the bottom up approach is essentially what I'm gathering here yeah it makes it makes a huge difference I mean I I love a field ride so I go out I'm riding the car with people in the field oh no I, you know you love being on the field oh I don't want it because I want, like, I want to, I want to, like, I like riding the car with somebody right. <laughs> and, really, and hearing from them, but also hearing mm -hmm. from customers what they need. So this right. people, putting people first approach is not just about our internal folks. It's about putting people, our customers, our patients first and really understanding um, what it is that are on people's minds and what do they need. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. Oh no, I I absolutely love this. I absolutely love this. There's nothing better than being out in the field with your leader. I definitely look at it as a partnership. We're gonna have a good time. Like when yeah. we're out there, we're gonna have an amazing time. And yeah, you know, you're engaged with customers that will tell you the truth, right? Just lay it all out mm -hmm. there. This is what needs, this is what our patients need. I, I really love that. You're very much in tune with the organization again, not just from top down, but bottom up. It's it's amazing. And you, you mentioned change, right? So what was the catalyst for you where you were able to turn Melinda around, right? And create such a sustainable business model. Like what was that like for you? What was that change that just took this to the next level, took this organization to the next level. Well, listen, I, I cannot stress enough how amazing the team at Melinda is. We have some of the most dedicated, high integrity, uh, thoughtful, driven people um, that I've ever worked with. Um, they care so much. This is why, you know, when we talk about our, our, our company and our, our brand, we set unparalleled in passion and purpose because I have never worked with such a team that has such passion and purpose. And so that really was the catalyst. The fact that we had so many people who were willing to lean in and do what it 
needed what needed to happen in order to transform the company. And you know, our pillars for transformation are very simple pillars. Um, one, it's building that high performance team. The other is driving profitable growth of our current portfolio. The third is focusing on operational excellence. We consider ourselves small but mighty. Um, and then the first piece, at uh, the fourth piece, is um, expanding our portfolio. A part of creating a sustainable business model for us is diversifying our portfolio. So we are no longer an antibiotics only company, although that is a cornerstone of our company. We, you know, given the industry dynamics, we had to diversify. And, you know, really the catalyst of being able to make it happen was the people and, and making sure that everybody was clear on that shared mission and vision and the aspiration and what we're trying to achieve. And what we're really trying to achieve is to become the leader in acute care. Uh, we want to be the go-to uh, company for customers um, when it comes to providing innovative therapies for people impacted by acute and life-threatening illnesses. And our mission that we're very much all committed to is a, a one that's grounded in access which is um, to ensure that all, all people who need our therapies receive them. And so that, that's really the big driver for our, our, our business and the, the, the transformation that we've, we've seen. I really love, um, I really love this all in total. So when I, when I think about it, I'm thinking people like inpatients first, like just that approach overall, like you're putting, I mean, internal, external, just putting it all together where it's working out, where patients are able to be provided that acute care. You guys being that go-to, because nothing is more for me, okay? <laughs> being a pharmacist, nothing is more, you know, sad to me where you have a patient standing at the counter deciding between, you know, this medication or this medication to sustain themselves, right? And just seeing someone make that decision, it's just heartbreaking. I mean, most times I'll pull out anything in my pocket, like, hey, I'll take care of it for you. Like, I would hate for anyone, my mother, grandmother, whoever, to be able to have to make that decision. But the people of the organization, Melinda, if you guys hear me out there, she definitely values you all. You all are valued <laughs> at the most high level for this organization. I just think it's wonderful. The plans that you have, really thought about, put into practice, have been super strategic about, right, to implement for this organization is monumental. And I don't know, like, you know, how many of us women of color or our black and brown um, men and women who are in position like this to really drive the organization forward um, and really factor in the people. Like, that's really, really huge. So for you, what are any key takeaways that you would like to share? I mean, well, definitely putting people first, right? Creating that culture um, that people can thrive in, but creating the environments, right, for your customers, for your patients, that they can get the access and the supports that they need. Um, providing strategic clarity um, and really being repetitive about it um, in terms of what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how we're going to do it, I think is also really, really clear. 
and um, really giving people a voice, right? Like, you know, like you said, creating that open forum, the no agenda, just like, let's just, you know, it's this is not on your mind. Off, right? yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's really, I think, really important. It really, really is. And I don't want to cut this short, but are there any shout outs? Uh, shout out my team. <laughs> the entire Melinta family. Yeah, the, the Melinta family, um, you know, they are incredible. Um, I feel extremely honored and blessed. Um, I, I said that I, I felt like all my steps were ordered to be here. This is exactly where I'm supposed to be, doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And I feel blessed to be um, with a team of people with an organization um, who shares my values, shares, um, you know, my passion, shares my purpose. And so big shout out to the Melinda team. Shout out to the Melinda team. And you know what, Christine, like, how can people reach out to you if they have, like, any other questions, like, just want to take a, a dive deep into picking your brain, which I know you're super busy. So we thank you for joining us with Living Corporate Podcast. But if there's anyone out there that's listening in who will want to know more about, you know, being a people leader, being able to transform an organization, being able to have the bottom up approach and provide strategic clarity, like, how can they reach you? Well, they can ping me on LinkedIn for sure. I am on LinkedIn um, yeah. and I do read my messages. So that is definitely an easy way. And people often reach out to me that way. I do respond. Wonderful. See, guys, she's, she does reach out to the people. Okay. She is about the people. So she will respond to your messages. Okay. <laughs> so Christine, thank you so much for joining us today on the Living Corporate Podcast. And that's our show. Be sure to follow Christine on LinkedIn. She does respond to her messages. So feel free to ping her, right? Her green light is on <laughs> for LinkedIn, which one she's available. And make sure you follow us on Instagram at Living Corp. Twitter at Living Corp underscore pod and subscribe to our newsletter on the Living Corporate website. The website has been updated, guys, and it looks so, so bomb. I know you guys are going to love it. Um, if you have questions you'd like for us to answer and read on the show, I would love to read you guys' questions. Make sure you email us at the Living Corporate Podcast at gmail.com. This has been Shanisha, and you have been listening to the CEO and president of Melinda, Christine Miller. Peace. And that's our show. So I hope you guys really enjoyed our conversation with Christine, right? Like she is a black woman, a woman of color who is in a thriving industry and being able to turn around a therapeutic organization um, so fast. Uh, and I mean, essentially double, right? If not triple um, their revenue, like she really is in tune with her organization, she really puts her people first. She comes up, her and her team have, you know, figured out very unique ways and identifiers to be able to really hear the voice of her people and allow them to share their voice and not just completing a survey and, you know, is there any change that takes place after I submit this two minute, five minute survey? Like they're really passionate 
about the organization, about their people and implementing change and finding new ways to navigate these spaces and being super creative and how they allow for the people of the organization to share their voice. So I hope that you can take from this conversation something that you can implement within your organization or voice within your organization or feel encouraged and empowered to voice your thoughts and your opinions and really tune in and share the vision of your organization not just this vision being placed on you and you have to operate in it right like okay where do I fit in what is unique for me and carved out for me so again this is Shanisha for Real Talk Tuesdays so glad that you guys were able to tune in for another episode with me and I'll get up with you guys soon peace Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.